Don't you just love it when you come back from the bathroom to find your food waiting for you? When did you make this decision? When you were sitting there eating that muffin? Would you forget your french fries to go with the soda? I had them already. Hamburgers! The cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. Come on, man, let's go get a steak. You can get a steak here, Daddy-o. Goddamn, it's a pretty fucking good milkshake. Mmm. Goddamn, Jimmy. This some serious gourmet shit. <laughs> this is a tasty burger. Want some bacon? You know what they call uh, a quarter pounder with cheese? Uh, I'm hungry. Let's get a taco. Bacon tastes good. Pork chops taste good. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nope, It's Not Over Drinkers. Ah. It's Cooking with Quentin. Ah. I'm your host, Mike Burge. This is the podcast where we're going to be talking about all of the movies that Quentin Tarantino has directed and some that he only merely wrote the screenplay for, mm-hmm. such as the episode that we have today. Today, we're talking about True Romance. And I am joined by uh, the regs on this podcast, even though this is only the second episode. We were, you, you, you'll recognize our voices from the Reservoir Dogs podcast. Uh, I am joined by the luscious, beautiful, uh, very freshly 27, Jack Kolajewski. Mm-hmm. There yes, he is. Hi, here I am. Hello. 27. 27. It was your birthday yesterday. It was my birthday yesterday. I got you Dunkirk on 4K, but you already had it because you are a fuckmaster. I, you know. Fuckmaster. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it was the for- first 4K Blu-ray I ever bought, so you know me. 4K Fuckmaster. And the me. other voice that you're hearing over here, of course, is returning champ, the Sultan of Swing himself, Robert Anderson. Hey, how's it going? And we are joined by, uh, what we're going to do for the rest of this podcast is try and get a different guest on every episode, people who really like the certain specific Tarantino movie that we're going to be talking about. And so I hit up some of my closest friends, and wouldn't you know it, one of my best friends, closest friends that possibly out there, probably top five most good-looking friends that I have. He's a handsome guy. He's a very handsome Very good-looking uh, guy. Uh, you, you might recognize his voice from the train spotting over drinkers. Or the rounders over drinkers, ladies and gentlemen. I sense a theme here. It's Tim Kelly. Hey, everybody. This seems like a good time to bring up the fact, I don't want to take any of your steam away, Jack, but you're the best birthday gift ever, giver. Who, and, me? Yeah, and you forgot mine. Baby. I didn't forget your yeah, birthday. You nope. Ah, okay. Oh, easy. Got to bring up. Sorry. I mean, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but then you put a microphone in front of me. Wow. Like, no so, way. So I'm not. We're telling you to not talk you about the movie, and you're like, oh, I don't want to save that dumb stuff, but you save this for the opening? Yeah. How are the listeners want, possibly going to out, trust but... me now? No, the listeners, oh, gonna... listeners will like this. They're listening to Quentin Tarantino podcast, so inject a little bit of tension mm-hmm. right in at the beginning here. Oh, I like As that. If they were enough. Yeah. Yeah. So we had Tim on for a movie about. Uh, drugs. We had him on for a movie about <laughs> gambling, and now we're having him on for a movie about drugs. So, these are the movies that Tim's into, and they're very good movies. I thought this movie was about love. It's love. Romance. True yeah. love. This movie's about cocaine. It's a, it's a, <laughs> two people happen to be in love. That's the last thing this movie is about. But. Well, before we break uh. into it real quick, as we're doing with Cooking with Quentin, the reason for the name is that Every time we do one of these movies and we record an episode on it, we also do a recipe that we make together that is kind of like thematically linked into the movie. Like on Reservoir Dogs, we did 
red apple pork tacos and we got the recipe up there and everything. You guys can go check that out. And so for this one, since there's really not a lot of food in this movie except for like popcorn and pie, there is a scene where he eats a lot of burgers. He eats a lot of burgers, but you got to save the burgers for like Pulp Fiction and stuff like that, you know? Of course, of course. So I decided I, I developed a vegan soyless uh, Chinese food menu where we did a vegetable chow mein, vegetable lo mein, got lo mein noodles instead. So oh, vegetable man. lo mein and uh, vegan egg rolls. Those are so good. And they were delicious. They were uh, so we'll have the recipe and the video to show you how to cook it and stuff like that back at home. You can, you guys can find that right below this and over on our Vimeo uh, under Story Screen Beacon. Uh, so let's open it up to the table real quick. Uh, how did everybody feel about the food today? I loved it. It was it, fucking good. It was very, very good. My compliments to the chef, as always. Um, I think the real, like the whole, all the dishes were very good. But I think the the best thing that you made, the star, the star of the whole thing was the um, the sweet and sour sauce. So good. That yeah. yeah. That was the that was the cocaine of the table. That sauce. Yeah. That sauce. Was... I'm gonna throw it in the air and just shoot at it. Yeah, <laughs> I want to throw it in the air and just have it land mm. all over my face. And it was pretty simple too. It was uh, it was uh, red peppercorn, sugar, uh, vegetable oil, and uh, ketchup. Oh, wow, that's all it was. That's why I liked it. Yeah, there you go. With all the sugar. Yeah. A lot of ketchup in there. A lot yeah, of sugar. I didn't really, I didn't really even taste the ketchup. It was delicious. It's <laughs> very good. I, I, uh, if I may say so myself. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, this is the first time that I've made uh, lo mein in any regard. Yeah. Let it be like I, I developed a recipe for soy-free soy sauce because I couldn't find any that didn't actually have any soybeans in it mm-hmm. because uh, the love of my life and the star of my eye, Diana yes. Demuro, mm-hmm. uh, a past and future guest and host. And host um, and, and editor. Yes, uh, associate editor. Associate editor. Uh, she is allergic to soy, and I wanted to make yes. sure that she could eat it because she never really gets to eat Chinese food in any capacity because it's just like hammered home with like soy and nuts and stuff yeah. that she can't eat. So it all kind of worked out really good. I'm, 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 I'm digging it. Those egg rolls, guys. Oh man, those egg rolls are so yeah. good. Yeah, so good. Spring rolls, really. They're not really more springy than eggy. Yeah, yeah they, they're, they're they made with like, like spring a, rice wraps, and yeah. like you can fry them, and then they're gonna have that more kind of crunchy. You double layer them, and then mm-hmm. you fry them. Yeah. These were just baked. They look like the like embryos filled with good vegetables. They were mm-hmm. uh, that sauce was a star player, the but they were a that was a good assist from the egg rolls to get the sauce from the bowl into my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like an yeah. like an edible utensil. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I wasn't skilled enough to like pick the broken noodles and the rest off the bottom of my chopsticks. You just grab one of those babies and oh, you do. I saw him do it. I, I saw him do That's it. the it uh, yeah. it's the yeah. bread of the Italian dinner. All the yeah, soy sauce sure. and and uh, the sweet and sour and the leftover vegetables and stuff. Mm-hmm. I watched you just like scoop it up. It was a good yeah. idea. Beautiful. That's a, that's a pro move. Well, Mike might forget some of his best friends' birthdays and remember others. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing host, and thank you for having us tonight, bud. Yeah, thank I'm you. Very happy that you guys uh, were here. So that was to, another to episode. Eat some food and uh, thanks, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, all right. that's all we did. Good night, yeah. everybody. That's good for me. So yeah, we watched True Romance, a movie that is not directed by Quentin Tarantino. It is in fact directed by Tony Scott, uh, uh, brother of Ridley Scott, who is also a director of uh, some 
very well-known fame, the, the man who made Alien, the man who made Blade Runner, the man who made the masterpiece, Alien Covenant. Mm-hmm. And Tony Scott, his brother, has made many a masterpiece in their own regard, such as Top Gun, Days of Thunder, True Romance is one of them. This movie is beautifully shot. It looks great. Yeah. And the story that we kind of touched on very briefly in the first episode was in order for Quentin Tarantino to be able to make Reservoir Dogs and direct it himself on a very meager budget that he wanted to do, he sold uh, the script for True Romance at cost, like the cheapest he could possibly sell it, and took that money and put it towards making Reservoir Dogs. And when Reservoir Dogs hit it out really big, they were like, oh, we've heard that name before put that in there and everybody wanted to work on it. And it was kind of being made at the same time as Reservoir Dogs was getting acclaim and stuff like that. So that's why this movie is like packed to the brim with stars like Patricia Arquette, Christian Slater, Christopher Walken, Val Kilmer, Dennis Hopper, Brad Pitt. In his Academy Award winning performance. It should be on the record. Very good. Um, Yeah. Is that not a joke? He won... No, 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 it's a joke. <laughs> no, it's a joke. <laughs> well, but he should have won. While we were watching it, he's like... Multiple yeah, times, yeah. yeah. He should have won. Hey, I could have seen an Academy left turn there. Mm-hmm. It was Brad, why not? Uh, so this movie came out in uh, 93. more screen time we got in it. Almost there. Or rather, yeah. it was probably made in 93. came out in 90... Yeah, no, it came out in 93, because Reservoir Dogs is 92. Pulp Fiction is 94, right up there. And then 94, 95 is like the next stuff, which is like Dust Till Dawn and Natural Born Killers before we get to 96, which is Jackie Brown. Before we start going really deep diving into this, there's going to be spoilers straight out the front gate with True Romance. We're going to be talking about True Romance for a little bit. And I think that it would be uh, kosher to throw it to our guest, Tim, who seemed to like really have an interest in being on this when... When I approached him about, like, we're doing a Tarantino retrospective, it's going to take about a whole year to do the whole thing. Which one would you want to do? And he was immediately, True Romance. It's one of, you said it was one of your favorite movies. Like, what, what's going on with True Romance, Tim? Talk to us about it, dude. I suspected you might just, like, put me on the spot like this or something. Happy birthday. Well, it's your oh, birthday, thanks, but Thanks for remembering. <laughs> it, it was easier when you were talking. I could just pepper in little comments. Okay, so why do I like True ma- Romance? Um... Because it's hilarious. Um, like, you were making a joke before. You said something like the first one we did was about drugs. The second podcast we did was about gambling. I remember and that this joke, one's yeah. About dr- yeah. Yeah. Does, does everyone a, remember that? I do. Okay. So it was a good joke. Yeah. And Mike's class, some class pretty good jokes. He's a pretty funny guy. Yeah. No, but this one, I mean, the title says everything. It's about true romance. And every time I watch it, I realize I don't really like a lot of it. I mean, I do, <laughs> but it's kind of, it's almost a perfect movie and I'm going to take it for what it is. But uh, the reason I like it's for the romance. It's the perfect love story. It's a good love story. I'll give it that. It's not bad. Are, not are, good. Not bad. Come on. Get I, I, think, well, I think before we go forward yeah. too, we should lean into the fact that Tim and I have seen this movie many times and we like it a lot. We consider mm-hmm. it one of our favorite Tarantino movies if you're not only counting the movies that he's directed, but uh, Jack and Robbie, this was your first time first seeing time. the movie. Yeah. I think this and this is, is a weird one because it's out of print. Like you haven't been able to get it for like almost over 10 years now. Like right. they don't make copies of this thing mm-hmm. really anymore. It's uh, it, it's the one I think movie that I've not seen out of all the Tarantino stuff that we're going to tackle. For me, it's uh, Jackie Brown in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but it definitely has, even though he didn't direct it, it's got his, I mean, the writing kind of really shines through. A lot of this. N-words, yeah. A lot right. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, there's a lot of his, uh, his His cherry on top it's of any script. very much. There were, there were multiple times during this movie where I just, in the middle of it, was like, nope, Tarantino definitely wrote this movie. Mm-hmm. He sure did write this movie. Um, but it is cool. It's a cool... It's cool. Do you agree, Robbie? I, I really like it, and, you know, I like... Um, it feels very much like a Tarantino movie, obviously, because he wrote it, and it's, like, packed with kind of his posse, or what later will become his posse, uh, in terms of, like, the group of actors. But, um, you know, the whole time I'm watching it, like, in the back of my head, and maybe this is the... Uh, will spark a conversation, like, what would the movie be like if he directed it? Like, would it be any different? Yeah. Or I figured it, that we would have that conversation. Yeah, because, like, you know, I, I really like the movie for what it is. I think it's great. And um, I like the Tarantino-isms that come across through the writing. You can tell that. But um, I'm curious, like, what choices he would have made if he were to direct the movie. Well, I know me and Tim were talking about there is an alternate ending to it uh, where I, I believe... Um, uh, Christian Slater's character, uh, Clarence dies. Yeah, like he does mm-hmm. die, he does and then it's die. like a different kind of. To be of... honest, that makes more sense. That's kind yeah. of the one thing I don't love about the movie is the ending. I really like the happy ending. Kind of that surprising. It's, I don't it's like the Hollywood happy ending. Happy. It, it goes against everything that the movie was kind of talking about. Yeah. Like in the, in mainly in the sense of Clarence being like this kind of. You know, just like this, this like walking, talking, breathing metaphor of like people like Quentin Tarantino who right. are always like comparing real life to movies and stuff like that. And he says he's like all oh, all the Oscar nonsense, like oh, all the movies that are, they're made off of bad books that nobody wants to read anyway, and like oh mm-hmm. happy endings and stuff like that. He's like I like the real true grit stuff, kung fu movies, Vietnam, like little scene yeah. movies, stuff like that. And I think giving the movie like a nice sweet happy ending. That kind of goes into the score that Hans Zimmer does in this, which is like super fucking upbeat and friendly. Yeah. Even when like in like the most darkest of situations. Tropical, even. Tropical, yeah. One might say. Yeah. I think my there is a dark note. Um, uh, not a specific note, but it's tropical and happy, but it's haunting. It's Dude. haunting. Like yeah. it does. It does. They yeah. overplay it enough yeah. where I think. Halfway through the movie, when they start playing it in these moments that it's kind of you as a viewer going like, that's a little inappropriate to play that love song for. And it's like, it's not the love theme. It's the it's the theme of the movie where it's just like, ha 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 ha. We're having fun. It feels like a veneer almost kind of, you know, like the whole even the start of their romance comes from a lie. And from there, it kind of all just spirals out of control. But you always get the feeling that these two people are like they're faking it till they make it kind of thing. And they're always, they kind of fall through it. And it's, it is interesting that it ends on a happy note. Cause usually Tarantino writes his characters. You've, you've said this before. He writes scumbag characters and he writes how scumbag mm-hmm. characters talk. Um, but it's interesting that, cause usually he kind of punishes his scumbag characters at the end of his yeah. movies. Well, that was kind of gets punished though. A little for bit. The- Two well, except for the two the movie. But I think yeah. I think that's kind of my point is that like they are not um good people. They're great characters. They're not good people. So to see them have a happy ending at the end for me as a viewer, I was just like, I buy this and it totally fits tonally with the movie. But part of it was just like I feel like I would have been more into it if they kind of got their comeuppance because they're doing bad. Th- they're doing a bad thing. They're not they, good they, people. They you know? do bad things consistently yeah. with no remorse whatsoever. And it's interesting because uh, during the scene where um, 
Who's the what's the name of the soprano guy? James Gandolfini. Yeah, James Gandolfini. The lovely James Gandolfini. It kind of has like a monologue as he's uh, hurting Patricia Arquette, and he's saying like, you know, he's or he's telling her about like killing people, and the first time you do it, like it's the hardest, the hardest one. Like it's, it's he needed really, someone to talk to. In that yeah, scene, yeah, apparently. it's like really, really, <laughs> really, really difficult uh, to kill someone, and when uh, Patricia Arquette kills him, she kind of just. I guess she she goes through it's, some stuff, but if you, I, I, she, it, absolutely, also, that's one hundred percent what they're doing. It's fifty fifty, where it's like, wow, that seemed kind of easy, but you see, like she's really doesn't know when to stop, right? Because she is presented throughout that scene as like this very frail object, where as she has been throughout the whole movie, like the whole movie has really been kind of like portraying her as like this kind of frail bimbo from like the Midwest, and yeah. she gets put in the situation up against James Gandolfini, who's just beating the shit out of her. I don't know if her. that's how I read her uh, up until that scene. Right. Not really at all. But okay. that did. I mean, that solidifies the, that she that she's maybe a little bit tougher home. than these yeah. guys. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But also earlier in the movie when Clarence kills, um, what's the the Gary Oldman? Well, Gary, Dre- yeah. yeah. When he kills him and and he kind of just shoots up the place. He does. He comes home and eats a burger like he doesn't really feel any remorse well no but he's also at the same time he's like oh it's the best burger and he's acting like kind of an asshole he's like what did you fucking love it like he's he snapped he switched over a little yeah, bit a little bit and she tethers him back and he does the same thing for her after she kills her first person then he's like yeah oh i grew up at an airport like he, he bring them back down to earth sure. and it's <laughs> i think that's the true romance is that they've got each other way back, of comforting yeah, each other even though yeah they're going when through they're these really fucking weird things yeah i mean it's a it's a bonnie and clyde scenario and that's you know that's kind of i think like the archetype where they're anti-heroes but it's their love for one another that kind of like perseveres throughout all of the hardships that they go through and, I can't you know, believe I never put that together because that's one of my favorite movies too. It's Bonnie so and Clyde. Until you just said that, yeah. Like, oh it's, yeah, it's, it's like the, it's like the yeah. pulpy uh, Bonnie and Clyde. It's just yeah. how you, you know one <laughs> of the funnest the head. funnest things I bring up to people about true romance that not a lot of people realize, but I always thought it was like one of the neatest <laughs> things is that uh, uh, Clarence loses an eye at the end. It's the exact same eye that Drexel doesn't have. Oh, I know it's a 50-50 shot, but it's like you lose an eye, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Sure. eye for an eye kind of. And Drexel's got that line where he's just like, he's like, uh, Clarence is like, I'm her husband. I'm Alabama's husband. And he goes, <laughs> I guess that, that makes, makes us, us related. <laughs> yeah, that's practically just like, related. Yeah, and it's like he, he kills the first person that he kills. Like he ultimately, you know, in some kind of fun Tarantino way where it doesn't really have any impression on the tone or the story itself. It's yeah. it mirrors at the end. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what kind of helps with the, <clears throat> with the, the happy ending idea that there, there's enough going on in the happy ending, naming the kid Elvis and stuff like that. Like yeah. there's enough in there where I'm like, that's earned. One more thing on that. Cause this is how we got into this conversation. I think the score and how happy and tropical and that whole thing, it almost indicates that it, this is, just coming to me, but it kind of tells you that there's going to be a happy ending. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. No, you yeah, do a little right. bit. Yeah, I can buy sure. that. It's like, it, it, like, you trust it a little more because like, oh, okay, you go through a really horrific scene, then bump, 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 bump. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I can do this again. I mean, and you were and saying, you were saying while, we were, while we were watching the movie, you were saying, you were like, man, that scene, every time I watch it, it's so rough. I forget how rough the that Gandolfini, scene is. The Gandolfini, Alabama, yeah. Yeah. scene. It's, it's very rough, and you keep getting to the point where you're like, 
Are they just going to kill her and then it's going to become Christian Slater's movie and it's actually the opposite of that. Christian Slater gets taken out. I mean, the metaphor is kind of like, in that scene in particular, you know, he's talking about how hard it is for his first kill emotionally, but for her first kill, it's how physically demanding it is Mm -hmm. and then the kind of like emotional impact never really happens to her because she's defending herself, you know. All right, so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We're going up there. Let's talk a little bit more about Tarantino. Yeah. Uh, since this is his podcast, technically. So is this he is... He didn't show up. Is he coming? No, he didn't show up. Yeah, uh, okay. Hopefully, we'll get him on the next one. Quentin, is that you? Um, oh, look at that. <laughs> nah, it's the cat. Quentin's oh. uh, here. It's, uh, it's interesting because this is the first one, because we're not just doing the movies that he's directed. We're not doing his big eight leading up to the nine. We also have a couple in there that he's directed short films for, mm-hmm. or that he has just uh, written the screenplay, whether or not how much of his stuff eventually made it. This is the only one where it's full-on Tarantino script. Yeah. And is From he, Dust Till Dawn is Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez touched up the script a little bit on it. And the the big one is Natural Born Killers is, you know, he wrote the script and he sold it. And that was like, that went through like about two or three other people before it finally got to Oliver Stone, who is notorious for changing scripts yeah. and just letting actors do whatever they want. So that's going to be a very interesting conversation to look back on. Uh, uh, and those were made after Pulp Fiction. Like it was right. the guy that made Pulp Fiction wrote this movie, but Oliver Stone is directing it. Robert Rodriguez is directing mm-hmm. it. This was one where it wasn't really advertised like that. This is Tony Scott's next movie. And it right. was written by this guy named Quentin Tarantino, who you might have heard he made this movie called Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. And it like the way Jack put it, it, it's it's very obviously really kind of tightly knit to Tarantino's script because Tarantino as a director is very adamant in keeping to the script, keeping the dialogue almost exactly how it's written. And he only allows certain actors that he's worked with, like Brad Pitt, Samuel L. Jackson, people he's worked with for a while mm-hmm. to kind of flip things up just a tiny little bit. But he... There is a cadence in the dialogue when he writes the script before he gets on set that he tries to keep. And so in a movie like this, he's not there to keep that. And I think that a lot of the stuff in this, what do you think is like, what would you say is like the stuff that really stands out to you, like the least Tarantino-ish of this movie? Being the first one we're discussing that he did not direct himself. It sounds like Mike has a right answer in mind for this. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't at all. Uh, for me, the, that the kind of... That was him hitting the table. <laughs> the, for me, the like least Tarantino-y thing about the movie, um, I think, is the music. Because you do have like you know some songs of, of the time being played, but I don't think that his movies like would have a score like that normally. I think it works for this movie. Um, but it, I, it doesn't strike me as like particularly Tarantino-y. Um, but the things like you know the the characters, the dialogue, the opening, all so Tarantino. Mm-hmm. There's there's a kind of detail I think he puts into his scripts uh, when it comes to the dialogue, like just little little bits of flavor that he adds in that I think make it feel distinctly like a Tarantino kind of thing. It's hard to really put your finger on exactly what it is, but there's just a a lot of little, like little bits of flair, like in the dialogue that think make it at the same time feel pulpy and kind of like elevated, but at the same time, like realistic. Does that make sense? No, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Timmy. Um, so earlier we were talking about, it's almost distracting when you're watching the movie because you're constantly asking yourself this question, like, (laughs) 
what's Tarantino? What's uh, Tony Scott? And so you got the score and so the dialogue is Tarantino. The story is Tarantino. Uh, the movie looks like Tony Scott, but to answer your question succinctly, I think it would be the sweetness because you don't get like, this is a sweet movie. Mm-hmm. All of the Tarantino, they have sweet moments, but they're not sweet. And movies. Tarantino's yeah. sweet yeah. moments I, I in his that. movies yeah. are always kind of like this hyperbolic sweetness, like almost cartoonish, yeah. you know, where yeah. it's like he's really pointing out like, look, I'm being sweet. Mm-hmm. Almost in the same way that like when he's ultra violent, he's like, look, ultra violent. Motherfucker right now. You know, he's he's nobody can do what Tarantino does in the same way that really nobody can do what these like seminal directors, you know, like you're watching a movie like this made by Tony Scott, who is essentially like Michael Bay version one. And Michael Bay has said like, he, he loves Tony Scott's films. And if you watch days of thunder and top gun, and then you put that to like Michael Bay's commercials and music videos that he made before bad boys. And even going into like Pearl Harbor and stuff like that, like they look like Tony Scott movies. Mm -hmm. And, it's it's this attitude that nobody can make a Michael Bay movie the same way that he can, and nobody yeah. can make a Tarantino movie the same way. It that almost Tarantino makes you can. wish Tarantino would collaborate more. Uh, I mean, with Michael Bay, would be a, can you imagine a co-directed oh, movie by like? Michael Bay and Tarantino? It would fuck. I would fuck that. It would fuck. <laughs> yes, it would fuck. I. Uh, It'd be a monster. But no, yeah, I, I agree. It's It'd like you you do watch. It's really it. it's really weird watching a movie. Maybe. Through Tony Scott's eyes, but it's a Tarantino script. It's a Tarantino idea. It's dealing with Tarantino themes. Yeah, it's a little more lofty, I yeah. guess. And the, I think the score has a lot to do with that. Yeah, and the sweetness that, that yeah. Tim brought up. It's yeah, like there's yeah. a little bit more of a, oh, this is kind of nice, even right. though there's all these bombastic moments of it's violence. It's also way cornier. Yeah. It's like when you watch it, it, it's an 80s movie. You know, it's like... It's got a different levity to the corniness that Tarantino maintains when he's directing his own movies. Because his movies are very corny. They're very cheesy. They're very typical. Like, he's... he's he's Really? Well, in the sense where he's he's trying to make movies like how movies used to be with the attitude that he himself has for how movies are made now. But I still think the tone, you trust the tone on most of his other movies, if not all, almost all the way through. Whereas this one, the tone is uneven. And still, it's probably that's, my that's favorite. That's a very good point. You're right. Yeah. yeah. It's but definitely, it definitely goes It almost takes you out of it and it's like, you're jarred and all of a sudden you're on a roller coaster, you're in Detroit, then you're in LA. I think right. that, I think and that stuff, like, part of the reason I like it. I think yeah. that stuff kind of like matches the tone, but when there's like the hyper violence is when it, that's like the tone shift where I almost like don't buy it all the time where I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is like getting really like when he first goes when he kills Gary Oldman's character, like that's like the first hyper violent part of the movie and like, you know, and not that it hasn't been seeded with the kung fu action movies that they're watching, like sure. It's it's meant to be there, but it's a little jarring at first because you're just like, Ooh, I didn't know if this was it's Tarantino written movie, so you're gonna have some hyper violence in it, but I didn't Which is what's so perplexing because that I mean, was that in the script? I mean, like, so oh, yeah. it's Tony Scott had control of that. So why was that scene so long? Well, I, I think. Well, because I think Tony Scott probably respected what the script was because he's not really known for changing scripts up. He's yeah. just like, that's a script that I'm interested in. Let me get actors that are interested in doing it. And Tarantino always leads into his ultraviolent scenes with kind of extended dialogue scenes that kind of build in that tension. When you think mm-hmm. about the, the hyperviolent scenes in this movie, when you think about the 
the moment with Drexel. There's like a good back and forth between him and Drexel and oh yeah, and uh, Gary Oldman really gets to chew for a while yeah. before well, things the, pop off. The big three ultra violent scenes: one is held down by Oldman, one is held down by Walken and Hopper, yeah. and then the other is held down by Gandolfini, and yeah. they all have these kind of dialogue heavy rises. The right? one well where Alabama's getting beat up though, that's kind of I've seen it a bunch of times. This is. The one reason it does work is kind of a one you guys were talking about where it's kind of it's contrasted with him buying chili burgers and like the it's paced so well. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. This is going on a little too long, but it, it makes sense. Yeah. A and little they, bit more in that. Context. They break it up with yeah. him being off and yeah. being completely oblivious yeah. to what's going on, which you need. Otherwise, which that also, scene would be excruciating. I mean, it, it adds a little bit of levity to this scene, but it yeah. also increases the tension because you're like, oh, he's nowhere near anywhere to save yeah. Patricia Arquette in this case. Because you don't know how long it's going to go on. You're like, well, right. James Gandolfini is just going to kill her in a couple minutes, right? If right. he's yeah. down the road getting keep burgers, he's not going to come back and kill him but right thankfully alabama was the one that kills him well, and yeah. i like that a lot yeah. yeah i like that it's alabama de- defending herself seeing her for the first time i did not know if she was going to make it out or not like that scene had that's, a lot of tension, that, so like, i think I that's know. really what yeah. that's what the whole setup of that is doing is like oh they're gonna kill alabama and then christian slater the star of the film is gonna do his little like 40 minute the revenge story kind of thing that and that's not like what you can see is. in hindsight but it's not true. The movie's romance. over. It's not true romance if you kill the <laughs> one of the I don't, two like, romance We don't care leads. about the drug deal after that. Right. We didn't care about it in the first place, but no, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I think that like that's like an idea that Tarantino, like he's in the comic book shop, like he is Christian Slater. Christian Slater is oh, like yeah, that yeah. is Tarantino. Pulp, he's a guy pulp fiction aficionado. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go watch or, three kung fu movies on yeah. my birthday, and like my boss at the comic shop is mm-hmm. like a cool enough guy in 1993 where he bought me a call girl without telling me, yeah. and just like ah. Early nineties. Yeah, oh, it's yes. really kind of funny because it's somehow the most Tarantino movie, but it's the least one at the same time. You said that to me yeah. when we were talking about like you coming on, and that that's the thing that really rung true for me. It's like it's I mean, him. it's the You're most Tarantino him. movie, oh, but man. it's also the least Tarantino movie paid? in so many different Nothing. ways. <laughs> Great, I'm in. Sorry. Um, all right, so we talked about Tarantino. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into True Romance itself, and we'll talk about all these like really fun scenes and. We'll get some really good perspectives on two people that have been watching it for a while and we just recently rewatched it and two people that just saw it for the first time. Finally. Let's do it. I can't wait to start talking about true romance. Great, great, great. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll be right back we after this. Yet? No, no. This is this, this is, is a warm up. This is the sound check. Oh, yeah, sound yeah, check. Yeah. Oh, we weren't recording? Ma, 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 ma. Me, me, me. We'll be right back. Welcome to another episode of It's Fits, where Story Screen's own film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the 2017 Christopher Nolan film, Dunkirk. Dunkirk, haven't seen it. I don't know if it won any Oscars because I didn't watch them and nobody told me who won. Didn't really ask. Um, Dunkirk won uh, sound mixing, sound uh, editing. That sounds lame. Yeah. They were up for best picture, right? 
Anyway, um, I know it's about World War II. I know it's like a ripoff of Saving Private Ryan. Joking. Don't, <laughs> don't know that at all. I remember my friend told me it was awesome, though. So I can't wait to see it when it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray. Probably buy it at Walmart. This has been another episode of It's Fits. For more on Dunkirk from the Story Screen family, check out episode 43 of our podcast. And welcome back. So we're talking Dat True Romance. We got all our good Tarantino jive out there. Got so, another egg roll in me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah you got so You got to get those up there. They're, they're just sitting there. Uh, so let's talk about true romance, guys. What's going on with this movie? Is it a good movie? Yeah, I, I think like it's it. a great movie. Tim, <laughs> I mean, it's obviously <laughs> it's a good movie. You okay, so there we go. Idiot. Got that? Hold on, hold on. Let me like. All right, check. All right, so it's a good movie. Done. Is it a great movie? Um. Mm. Great in 1993. Great in 25 years ago. In the pantheon of Tarantino movies or in the pantheon of all movies? Movies. Um, Like, that's a damn good movie. I think it is. I think um, in our current, like, review structure, uh, I think the movie fucks. Oh, you're talking about our new current structure, which we have not talked about. No. We should probably talk about something more like a hot takes, but it is essentially... Our five-star system. Yeah. It, is, it is essentially... It's like that pink or purple it, Cadillac. It was like... What is he driving, it's by the way? Cadillac. It's Cadillac? Okay. Purple Cadillac. Purple Cadillac. It fucks like that. From like a, a... We were talking about when we were watching, like from an era where every car looked like it was a pimp. Yeah, because I said, I'm like... I was like, that looks like... I'm surprised it's this car. I thought it was the pimp's I car. Mean, you're like, they all look like that. It's purple. It's extra pimpy, though. It's extra yeah, pimpy. Even. Somehow, to be honest with you guys... I forgot about that car. I've seen this movie <laughs> a, a bunch deal. of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently yeah, it is. No, our, our, our structure is um, in just talking about movies positively. Yeah. In a positive manner. Uh, if, it, if it knocks or it bumps, that means the movie's not good, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. If the movie snaps, it means it's okay. It does what it was supposed to do. Could have been better. Mm-hmm. If the movie slaps, that means, well, well, well. Mm. That's a pretty goddamn good movie, but not quite a masterpiece. But a masterpiece fucks. is when a movie fucks. I think True True Romance probably slaps. It slaps. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. sorry to do this. To so you, that's a but great movie. This is the first time you guys told me about this. <laughs> yeah. you, need, you need to go over that one more time. Okay, so knocks and bumps is the movie's not good, but you like it. But you can admit you're like it's not a good movie, but I like it. You need yeah, to adjust comment. that phrase so. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Knocks and bumps. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's and good for you. It's good snaps for you. is yeah. like, it's okay. So when I ask you, is True Romance a good movie? You all say yes. That means it snaps. It at uh, least snaps. One more. It at least snaps. No, no, no. It's a good movie. It snaps. But it it's okay. It's okay. good. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. A great movie is it slaps. That's a great little movie right there. That's damn good, but it's not a masterpiece. It's not a fucking awesome movie. Yeah. It's not a movie where you're going to throw an extra five adjectives on top of the word movie, where you're right. like, it's a fucking fantastic, phenomenal, stupendous motherfucking movie. Fucking being our favorite adjective. Be the, 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 yeah, that would yes. be if it fucks. So, True Romance does not fuck. True Romance slaps. Okay. I can, I can buy that. I right? think so, yeah. I think sure. it slaps. Yeah, I think it slaps. Tony Scott would Say otherwise with that. Tony Scott ain't saying a goddamn thing. I mean, this movie. Tony Scott is dead. You guys, this movie fucks. May he rest in peace. It's very tragic. It's got its flaws, but this movie fucks. It's got its flaws, but I think the argument can be made that it fucks. 
I think overall it slaps. <laughs> sure. It's not. See, a this, super is why, hard this is why I didn't want to do this on the podcast. <laughs> I want to just be. This is things your fault. You guys brought that. You should, I mean, nobody, if I known, I wouldn't nobody wants to listen to this. I, it's a pretty disagree. fluid rating system. Like it's not a. Actually, I'm pretty down yeah. with your system. Yeah. I just. I think I think more people will be too. It. <laughs> Where's the diversity? What's though? the first mm. one? No, not here. It's not here. Not here. Not right now. Sorry. Is it white boy day? Is it white boy day? Is it white boy day? We, we were talking about this beforehand, too. Like, that's one of my favorite, top five favorite Quentin Tarantino written exchanges is Gary Oldman's Drexel just being like, he must have thought it was White Boy Day. Is it White Boy Day? No. No, it's not White Boy Day. It's not White no, Boy No, no, it's, uh, it isn't White Boy Day, is it? Like, yeah, he actually, yeah, that's what it is. He's actually curious. <laughs> oh, shit. Even on. though he's yeah. not. It's like, wait, like, is, it's it, is it White Boy Day? Actually, more seriously, no, no, this though, is, this I was is... thinking this before. Okay. This movie could have been perfect. It, like it's a little long you can't tell whose movie it is and like the more you watch it like it's almost perfect but this is a tony scott fuck, movie more than that's a tarantino too movie. much sure. flab on that well maybe so but still I, I, like I, but like that's that's what i think i think that the movie because and it I works think as that the director's eye is like the last the last person in telephone in the game of telephone sure. before it gets to the audience. Like everything goes through scripts, go through the screenwriter doing a bunch of stuff. They go through doctoring, they go through producers, they go through actors and they go through the director. And at the end of the day, they go through editing, but mm-hmm. the director is usually, especially back in the early nineties with somebody like Tony Scott, who's as successful as he is. He's got the final say probably on what the editing sure. process is along with a producer or two. So it, I think that it's not, a blast at Tarantino to say that this movie probably would not have been as great if Tarantino made it. Expound. I think that what Tony Scott brings to this is a levity in the music, everything we talked about in, mm-hmm. in the previous section. I think that he brings a certain sense of the, the, the populist nature that Tarantino himself does not have, especially at this time, one that he grew himself mm-hmm. after things like Kill Bill. Because after Kill Bill, his movies become they change very much like that. Inglourious yeah. Bastards, Django, Hateful Eight, stuff like that. Death Proof, even. Yeah. But these first three movies that he directed, uh, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown, there is a very obvious story of a man trying to figure out what exactly he wants to do yeah. with the power that he's given. Because yeah. he, Res- he does Reservoir Dogs and does very well, so he gets money to make Pulp Fiction, and fuck, Pulp Fiction blows up. Yeah. Wins uh, 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 Academy Awards, and he, so then he gets Jackie Brown, and that's a, that's a conversation for a different day once we've all sat down and we've watched it. Right. But I think this just being like, this is a script that he wrote, he was probably writing it while he wrote Reservoir Dogs, if not before or briefly after. This is just something that he was okay with letting go. There are hints of natural born killers in this as well, in the sense of uh, a couple in love in a dastardly way on a road trip kind of thing. But this movie's very much got more of a, it's a cocaine movie. It's about cocaine. This movie is about the bag of cocaine. Oh, you're so wrong there. Right. Tell me yeah. why. I think I'm with you, Tim. Yeah, no, good, I mean, good. it has Tell nothing. That's just the catalyst for all the ridiculous action. And you have it's the, the mobsters, centerpiece the police, for everything that happens. Some, a bunch but of I, slubs, I think, Hollywood directors. Like, the, it has nothing to do with the movie. I think it is the kind of 
it, sure, like the movie does, the conflict in the movie hinges around the cocaine, but really it's it's the two in love that are just, all they want is to just be in each other's company. And the cocaine really just gets them there so that they can sell the cocaine and then leave. Like it does, the again, like it, the reason that all this shit is happening is because they still have the cocaine. But I think it's only like the MacGuffin to get them to, sure. you know, be where they want to be, which is on that beach in Cancun. With that argument, then the the ultimate scene, the last scene, mm-hmm. like the the big shootout and everything. Mm-hmm. What what part does the fact that Alabama and Clarence are in love play in that scene? I mean, the whole reason they're in that room is because Alabama and Clarence are in love, and that's why they brought the cocaine there. Was so that they could just get money and leave. Right. So that they could run away. Yes. I'm saying that I think that the cocaine being like, if we're thinking about these two things as separate items, tangible, the love that Alabama and Clarence have and the bag of cocaine they need to sell, which one has more precedence in that scene, in the final scene where everything comes together? Oh, I think the, the, definitely the, the love. I, I Yeah, I think the She's reason. She's crawling across the ground the, with a bunch of feathers falling on her and the... The reason, the reason that you care about that scene is not because there's a bag of ca- cocaine there or you want the deal to go down so that they can like sell that <clears> bag <throat> of cocaine. The reason I think you feel tense in that moment is because Alabama is sitting right in the middle of everybody that's holding a gun. And you like her. And Clarence is in the other room. Yeah. And then the reason that the scene has like weight to it is because you think Clarence takes a bullet to the face and Alabama's reacting to it. I think that you guys are both right. Um, if you were to look at what the log line, Wait, who's or, both? Everybody. Oh, uh, ev- yeah. are the two? So the two me and Jack for his mic. I guess. Basically. Yeah, I was like, they're both right. Yeah, yeah. Robbie. Uh, either make this a tie or break the tie. Yeah. Um, oh, it's not a tie. So my <laughs> my logic being Robbie, the cocaine. Thank you. Okay. The logic. No, I just said the word because it's fun. Um, the logic of the movie, or like the log line of the movie, or the pitch is. A pop culture aficionado uh, falls in love with a call girl. They try to escape by taking this thing of cocaine and hilarity ensues. And the cocaine and Christian Slater kind of like have like the same fate by the end of the movie. Whereas like the cocaine kind of gets blown. So get the money. He gets damaged. Like no, if these are our main characters, cocaine and these like other people, like they kind of all go through the same like trials, tribulations and fate. Um, so I think, like, you know, the cocaine is as much of a character as the other people are, but the movie's about all of it. It is about their romance, but it is about, like, what happens when you steal from people you shouldn't. Would it be more you even know? keel steal to explain what I'm talking about in Fair. saying that the movie's two hours long, <clears throat> almost to the dot. The first hour of the movie is about these two people falling in love. The second hour of the movie is very... Revolve is revolving around this bag of cocaine. That's why cops get involved. That's why there's a wire involved. That's why there's a sting involved. That's why the mobs after him. Like I get that it could be a MacGuffin in that sense, which I don't like that term, and I don't think it actually exists. There's reasons for characters to do things, and that's why you create these things when you're writing a script and calling it a MacGuffin. Yeah, MacGuffin's just got like I didn't mean that as a pejorative. No, I know, but that's like the perfect way to say it. It's like the the I think it more represents everything they're trying to escape. Right, I'm saying the term MacGuffin just has such a fucking like like uh, like a a, a dirty mark on it now, where it's like no, but that's like just a writing tool. Like that's what you use. Of course, I mean it's the same thing. And it was poorly executed, by the way. Chekhov's gun and everything, like. 
it's yeah. not just Chekhov's gun. Like that's a writing tool. You right. set something up, before and you can make off. fun of it, and you can be like, "Well, they didn't utilize that right." And I would say, if you know, they're using a MacGuffin, if they're using the bag of cocaine as a MacGuffin in this movie, they're using a MacGuffin very well. I'm saying that I really think that it's driving most of the story more importantly than the romance going between the two yeah, characters I, I, in the latter hour of the movie. That seems crazy to me to say that the cocaine is more important than the romance in a movie called True Romance. I think it is. I I just don't know. You think it's crazy or you think you're not crazy? They're not going after Christian Slater in Alabama because... <laughs> Christian Slater in Alabama. They're not going after Clarence in <laughs> Alabama because just, Clarence stole Alabama. Names actor names? Just yeah. keep it straight. Yeah. You know, it's like, so if, if they were going here. after Clarence because he killed Alabama's pimp uh, because he was in love with someone that the pimp was pimping out and they're going after him because of that, that's about the romance. This is because they accidentally grab cocaine and they're like, oh, we can sell this and this is how we can live our lives. Nobody cares that Clarence and Alabama are in love except for us, the audience. Everybody else in the movie is centered on the cocaine. Mm-hmm. I and I think that's... Dad cares a little bit. But, Dennis Hopper cares a little bit, too. But they're, if they weren't in love and trying to run away together, they would not... I don't think they would have kept the cocaine. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're trying to... They see the cocaine as an out so that they can be together. 100%. Yeah. I'm saying that the movie itself is more concerned with the bag of cocaine than it is with their romance in the late, in the last hour of the movie. You could say that. I mean, I think an argument can be made for that. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think you're saying it's not concerned with the romance so much as the bag of cocaine. It's concerned with getting the story to where it's going. And that's why the thing is uneven and it falls off. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... I'm sorry, Robert. No, no, I no, no, you yeah. go ahead. Cocaine, but that's how movies work, too. And I'm more, I'm more pointing know, out that the first hour of the movie is like, look at them falling in love. They love each other. Don't mm-hmm. you believe it? And by the end of the first hour, you're like, yes, I do. And the second hour is more about, okay, so now this bag of cocaine, which was just like a rudimentary thing that just happened to happen along with them falling in love, yeah. that is their out, is the thing that's piling all of this bad stuff onto them. That's why the cops are after them. That's why they're wiretapping people. That's why the mob's after them. If that's, that's why Brad Pitt's that final not scene, getting condescended to. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, like, their love is never in question, which I think is why, like, that argument can be made. It's like they're, they're always going to be in love kind of no matter what the circumstance is, and we are giving enough, like backbone there to, yeah. to find it, that it would be removal. uninteresting if they kept the movie just being about well, love without involving this bag of cocaine there would be no conflict which exactly. is where the yeah. cocaine comes this is what i'm talking about is like, i think that well, the bag is, of cocaine uh, is like the major yeah. point of conflict not them falling in love and still loving i each think other. the movie is about love and like trying to make something better for yourself by unconventional means but i think the plot is about you know, what happens when you get involved in some illicit shit. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the kind of distinction that we're, we're trying to Which find. Which is, is why it's also interesting and I think weird that it ends on a happy note because particularly Clarence says multiple times uh, to Alabama, like, we deserve this. Mm-hmm. Like, we yeah. deserve this happy ending. We deserve to sell this cocaine. Make yeah, I don't think money they do. And that's, I think it kind of feels like the movie's saying That's a big deal. No, no, no. That's, you were talking about that. Like we were talking about like Quentin Tarantino writes scumbags and you always want your scumbags to get their comeuppance, but Clarence and Alabama aren't scumbags. 
I kind of think they are. I kind of think they are, too. Why? Oh, my God. You, you're he's, lovable. He, they're lovable. No, no, no. Put the knife oh away. Tip, tip, tip. No, 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 no. It's not a knife. It's a corkscrew, man. No, smash. And let me tell you why. Um, I think from the very beginning, really what starts the conflict is Patricia Arquette, or Alabama, has this pimp. And Clarence she's not a gets. Horror. She's a call, call girl. I know. Sorry. I never called her. I never called her such a horror. I just want to make sure you got that. Clear. Um, <laughs> Clarence goes out of his way to go kill that pimp. Where? Well, it's his own male ego. He can't take it. Exactly, and I think he like, wants to be. And Elvis. by the way, she lets him. Go. She should never have given him yeah. that address. Well, no, that's I ridiculous. This is what is. That's yeah. fueling what we're saying. Is, yeah. is like they if they, they were really so involved in I the romance. They could have just fucked off and been fine or even stayed where they were and been fine but they went out of their way to like step into this shit because he reads and comic then, books he's he has this like male ego well, yeah like, he's got this like hero, idea of these like yeah. movies and he wants to be like in the movies he tells that story is like oh he's got this ring around a necklace in this comic yeah. book that he's talking about and it's like oh, right. the guy rips it off and it falls in the ocean. he dives in the ocean isn't that cool and i think mm-hmm. they they have this and she feeling. says you're so cool like that's you're so cool is you're so acting cool. like yeah. the guys that you read in these she, comics. That you see she's in these an movies. enabler of his shitty male ego. Which Boom leads to so many of these shitty things, and I'm in agreement with Jack that I think that they are not good. They're very entertaining to watch, and I love their love. They're great characters. They're great characters, but I not don't good people. They shitty do not male dis- ego. I mean, the, the it's it's called true romance. But why aren't they good people? Like, yeah, because, because they, we'll because they also yeah. revel in this 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 criminal lifestyle that they are like putting themselves into. And they also have zero regard whatsoever for any of the people that they get involved with it. Like mm-hmm. when he brings her to his dad right away, after not talking to his dad for three years, his dad winds up dead and they never even like pay a second mind to it. He like, also like they, yeah. everyone. And then, know. and then again There's with no Dick, way. like they get Dick involved and Dick makes it out alive, but he very well, much. Right, could so not they're have. idiots. No, I think but they they're have not. No... They're not actually like when we're talking scumbags. We're talking well, like not scumbags in the way that okay. they're like so they're people. Well, are they, okay. are they, would you they say are they're shitty people. people or are they idiots? I think they're shitty idiots. Sure, okay. <laughs> because they don't have any sort of they they feel entitled to this like movie style happy ending that they get, right? And they don't have any regard for the people in their lives that they're like getting wrapped up with this and hurting. And they the have meantime. no empathy for anyone. Yeah, else. and they don't. They only don't kind of. I think they do selfish. have empathy. I think they're just kind of caught up in this thing. And also, like Tim said, like in the background, if the listener didn't hear, like they don't know about all this. Yeah, stuff. I mean, they don't know that his dad got killed. Also, they don't like, know Tim that the, do, they don't know that this. the mob is after them until the mob shows up at the very end, and then they deal with it accordingly. That's the whole plot point of Dennis Hopper's character is that they find out like they're not after us, so we can go he to made LA a point to, to go make sure see they weren't being chased before they yeah. went to his friends. They made a point for that, mm. but they're just fucking idiots and they don't follow up on anything. They're do you not. Th- do you think that they're idiots? They, I won't even have that either. They're idiots because they're, <laughs> they're in a criminal idiots. world and they're not criminals. They have no idea. So they're an idiot yeah, in the sense of like that's how criminals are going to work. But do you think that like you know wouldn't for, you guys do the same thing? Uh, no, no, I probably wouldn't have gone out of my way. To you accidentally, a pimp. accidentally get okay. So 
I make Forget. it a point to not fall in love with call girls, by the way, too. But just like big thing that I do. Well, I good for you. I hope that happens to you one day. But if you got two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> worth of cocaine, not fall in love with <laughs> yeah, uh, would you try and find a safe way to sell it? Yeah, you goddamn no, right, you would. Probably not. I'd probably turn it to the police. I, like I mean, that's the best way. Guy. Think about it. You get you get like five hundred thousand dollars worth of cocaine. How would you even think to sell that? Well, guess what? You go to Hollywood. You find somebody so like, who knows oh, a producer. Man, like, that's a, you wouldn't that's do that. Why would you do that? that? Yeah, that's the best way the to do it. The domino effect of the logic of the movie is totally sound. Again, these are not critiques of the film. It's completely sound. Yeah. Like, the that wasn't sarcastic. The tone yeah, is, I, know, I think it makes sense. I, I think yeah. how, they, you off. how they but work the, out... The domino effect is brilliant. How they work out with, uh, like, teen heartthrob Michael Rapaport talking to them <laughs> about, like... Yo, I'm a guy, I'm an actor, but like, I don't know people that like want to buy this amount of cocaine. Yeah. Except he totally does. And realistically, and not only does he no, totally no, no. know where, he's already but thought he about it. But he realistically goes the down the line. He's like, I've got a friend who is an old acting buddy, and now he's a PA for a producer. So I guess that could work. And it's like, yeah, that's how that shit yeah. works. Is it is it kind of uh, serendipitous and that the, the he knows a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy? That's a fucking movie. But yeah. that's the I'm way not, fucking not, movies I'm not, work. I'm yeah. not talking about like the way movies. It's probably work, not the, the way, way this that, movie should have worked. Like that's though. a Tarantino thing. Is like things escalate right, and they escalate in a cool way Fuck, yeah. that leads to uh, an ultimate showdown. Like, really awesome showdown. My, the, I think the crux where we're arguing here is whether or not they're good people. Yeah, and I just I, don't think. I don't think they're good people. I don't think they deserve their happy ending. I think they're yeah. dumb wow. people. I don't think they're good Never people. Would have saw this I don't coming. think they're good people, but I don't think that they're shitty people. Okay. I think sure. that they are morons in love, trying to build that little life yeah. that, that they've only seen in the movies and in the comics. There, and there, I, a, I think they they have this idea in their heads that they deserve this perfect life. And they don't gonna, fuck anybody over. Well, and yeah, they sure do. They definitely Who? do. Accidentally, they fuck over their friend. Their dad Who? dies. Dick. Dick, dad Dick doesn't die. Dick dies. gets away. Dick very easily could have died. Everybody else could in that have room. died. Only three gets people away. made it out of that room alive. Gets away. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they didn't put him only in a situation. three people got out of that room alive. Who were they? Yeah, but Dick surviving had nothing the best to do three with people them. In the movie. Clarence, Alabama. I think he's just been trying to be antagonistic. And Dick, no. I'm saying, like, are they good people? No. Okay. But I wouldn't call them oh, shitty people. Please. Okay, so do we need to make a scale here? What's the equivalent to Knox? All right, so, like, they snap. <laughs> they, do they snap or do they fuck? Or, wait. They, they're they're fucking. The they're fucking. They definitely fuck. I don't they know, fuck. man. I'm just... I, 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 Let's, uh, I'm only explaining why I think the happy ending. You guys really came off that movie thinking, I don't like those people? I didn't say that. No, no. This is this is a very important distinction. So you like shitty people. They're good characters. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> That's what you're saying. They're That's good characters. Is, no, we okay. like the characters, but I wouldn't you want to think be fucking they're shitty. I wouldn't want yes. to be friends with them because, in real life. Because in the same way that I like the majority of Tarantino characters, because they're great characters, they're really interesting to watch. Like all the people in Reservoir Dogs, great characters, very likable. Like watching them. That's they're a perfect also way to do shitty it. Shitty people. Like so, they're. They're Would you rather be friends with Clarence in Alabama or the the five or six guys in Reservoir Dogs? None of them. No, but you had to pick one group. 
Less I, shitty. Let me put it this way. I would never want to go out to lunch with Quentin Tarantino, any Quentin ever. Tarantino character <laughs> in any of the movies no. he's ever written. The dice roll oh, and you getting shot on. by uh, uh, That's uh, we... Django Unchained. Uh, uh, what's his no, name? No, no, specifically the characters that Quentin These Tarantino... These characters that were... T- oh, okay. No, let me finish. The, mm-hmm. the characters that Quentin Tarantino writes for himself. The ones that he acts. Oh yeah, those are the None shittiest the, people. I would not ever want to interact <laughs> with. We just said no. that this is the most Quentin you know, Tarantino character. If you don't like Clarence, Jimmy and I don't Pulp know what Fiction. To say for you. Jimmy and Pulp Fiction seems like a real fucking down to earth guy. He's <laughs> we'll got a good we'll taste in coffee. <laughs> Loves saying the n word. Loves it over and over again. Well, well, well. We're going to talk about that on on the next episode, most definitely. Uh, uh, Let's break away from being mean to each other. Sure. And come back together on two things, because I think we talked very heavily about one of the three big scenes, the James Gandolfini and Patricia Arquette scene. Mm-hmm. Let us yeah, let us come together in rejoicefulness of Gary Oldman's portrayal yeah. of Drexel per- in perfect. that entire scene. Yeah. Perfect. That is the one. minute you meet him. That is one for the ages. He uh, when I first saw him on screen. It's you first you like this is mad funny that's Gary Oldman, but then you're like well, when you first see him like you're like oh white dude with dreads weird and then you're like holy, holy shit, shit that's Gary Oldman well and this is ninety three like so Gary Oldman has been like the Sid Nancy movie which Robbie we've talked about yeah I recently watched he's that. not yeah. really in all that much before like he's he's kind of a name enough to sure not just be like a credits like, he's, he's doing on he's the like credits. really weird like roles that he like dissolves he's like one of, I feel like he's one of those actors where like you know he just dissolves into what he's doing and only recently have you seen him be mustache Gary Oldman mm. you know which is his new form where he plays like you know commissioner grumpy man and he oh, will like, he will Gordon, change, yeah, like he commissioner will Gordon like I have to save him and he will change yeah. again into another form at some point but he already did into a into a uh, not a president, uh, prime minister. Prime minister, yeah. He's great in that. Who here has seen Darkest Hour? Raise your hand. There was one of it was us. It's a very good movie. Yeah. It's great for an audio. I'm film the man. only one that raised. <laughs> I thought Jack. I thought you had seen Darkest Hour. No, no. Yeah, it's a really good movie. You should see it. Hand raise. It's pretty good. I'll see one of these Eleanor would like it if you saw it. Your girlfriend mm, Eleanor is yeah. from you, England. You mean my fiance Eleanor. Your fucking girlfriend. She's not my girlfriend. She's not your wife either, is she? Upgraded. Yeah, that's why there's a name for it. Happy it's birthday. Beyonce. Is this a rating system? Do yes. we have a fourth yes. tier? Fucks. Yeah. Fucks. It's, it's Fox girlfriend, fiance, wife. Fucks. 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 Uh, he's great. He's so good in this movie. And it's kind of a bummer that he's not in it as much, but it's like he's also for like the right amount of time where he won't like uh, get old. Because I, I can see that character also getting old if he's in the movie for too long. So they kind of like nick him in the bud. At the right time. But I remember being like, I don't know if I like this look. It's so over the top. And then he like murders like three people with a shotgun in the coolest way possible. I was like, I'm in. This is fine. Yeah. 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 I, the first I always, I always forget that his character gets an introduction yeah. before that happens. Mm-hmm. How, my memory of the movie is always... Same here. You hear about him and then Christian Slater goes in and it's like, there's this fucking also shit the introduction of the shitty date that he's... No, it's not even a date. He's just at a bar with this... Oh, the girl. Oh no, I always oh, remember that because that's because he does I've the seen same this a bunch moves. Of times, and maybe yeah. Christian Slater does the same moves on on her because he's like kind of like an antisocial kind of dude. Like he's just he's like, a fucking nerd. Like comic books and nerds. Yeah. Like this is he's talking the way John Wayne would talk to. 
or uh, Elvis enough, or uh, enough about movies and stuff. Or what about you? Like, yeah, you talk about movies for five minutes and the person's still there. You think like, oh, they at least have some okayness with movies. Sure. And then you go like, <laughs> what about you? And he's got like his set plan for it. Yeah. It's good stuff. But Gary Oldman in this movie, while this movie may or may not slap. I already know where you're going with this. Gary Oldman Gary fucks. Oldman fucks. Gary Oldman fucks. And Christopher Walken fucks. Yeah. He's not in the movie enough either. Oh, Dennis God. Hopper fucks. Dennis yeah. Hopper fucks. And James Gandolfini. Fucks. Fucks. He's a bad man. I would even say Patricia Carraquette fucks because she's doing okay, like better question very is, heavy who does not like different things. But we'll save that for the a answer is no one. Christian Slater who slaps. doesn't fuck in this movie? Could just Christian Slater fucks just uh, Michael Rappaport snaps. Get at it. He snaps. He's all right. He fucks in the way that he fucks. Brad Pitt fucks. He Brad Pitt. Pitt fucks. Brad Pitt. What's the Fox. other word like? Where it's like, oh, like the, <laughs> I just want to the creme de la creme. It's beyond real asshole. Oh, I'm so in on this has, metric. I'm totally with. Can Brad, we like Brad Pitt has a bunch of random names of applause? Like yeah. <laughs> he's above it. Mike, uh, do you? Uh, is it just when we do these podcasts? Are you concerned with this all the time, or is it just when I'm here? Are these people good people or bad people? With Tarantino, like in the movie, because I, like I want to get back to that. Yeah, no, oh, it's oh, uh, it, it's more um, it's more uh, as we're talking about Tarantino, one of the biggest you things wanna, about Tarantino movies figure out whether he's a good person or not. No, no, it's not about whether he's a good person. It's it's Tarantino has this kind of uh, this kind of mapping over him that people look at the movies that he makes and they go, they're ultra violent. They're full of scumbags, people that say bad things and they, they use the N word too much stuff like that. And it's like, okay, I think one of the biggest things that we're going into, like we're going into this in a post Weinstein scandal world. Sure. And all of these movies are, are produced by Miramax pretty much all the way up to and through hateful eight. Like I, I'm fairly certain that once upon a time in Hollywood is probably going to be the first movie that's not produced by Miramax. And it might still be produced by Miramax under a non Weinstein company kind of thing. Right. But we're trying to figure out where does that, where does like the artistic, voice that Tarantino is putting in where do you draw the line between this guy is normalizing this type of hate this type of speech this type of violence and where do you put this guy is making movies about people that most people would be scared to make movies about I think the 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 only reason that we brought that up is because of what happens to them ultimately. Because I think a lot of the time... Real quick, though. we were t- The context was we were talking about the characters. Yeah, And now sure. we're talking about the director and movie maker. No, no. I'm, ahead, not, I'm not here yeah. to like argue whether or not Tarantino yeah. is a good person or not. I'm only talking about these characters in this movie and what he's trying to say about their actions with what happens to them ultimately. Because you have characters in Reservoir Dogs. All the characters in Reservoir Dogs die. Similar scenario. Similar scenario. Well, most, most of them. Don't they all die? Steve Buscemi gets away. Oh, you're fucking right. He does. Uh, uh, he probably dies out there, but we don't see I think you hear... I feel like you hear gunshots. You hear gunshots. So, like, you know, you have these characters who are a great, amazing, well-written characters who are bad people because they're criminals who do bad things to other people. But they all kind of get their comeuppets in one way or another. You know, they die and they... You know, that's kind of their redemption. 
in this movie, if Jack and I are on the side of, you know, these are great, well-written characters who do bad things and are now in the criminal, like, world, but they get away and they have a happy ending, we're, it kind of validates the things that we find shitty that they're doing, and we're not, I'm not saying that makes the movie bad. No, absolutely not. I, I think it, anything that makes the movie just, it's fine. I but, just think it's an interesting thing to talk about. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a good idea for a movie to record a podcast about. I mean, incidentally, yeah. the best characters of all it. time are the worst people of, of all time. But Taxi Driver. These two, Alabama and Clarence, are not among them. I, I, I'm, I'm, not I'm with Tim on this. Are, like, I don't, I don't think, think they're, the they're bad people. people. I don't think they're complete. I don't think they're bad people. I sure. think that they are good people who made bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And maybe are a little too full of themselves to completely understand what this is doing to the world around them as they're going on this journey. I think if their characters uh, were younger, I would buy their kind of like How old do you be. think that they are? They're probably pretty fucking young, I would say. Yeah, they're probably like Late 22 20, years yeah. old. I was thinking like 25 which is like kind of like too old to be. This, like, this, this is also a thing that happens. Sure. Like as you get older, you start looking at characters, and if they don't say the name, like the actual ages of the characters, you assume they're older. You assume they're older because it's Christian Slater, and yeah. you're in 2018, and you're a person. Yeah, yeah. I, looking at a movie from 1993. Mm-hmm. I don't Jack. think they're yeah. they're not like villains, obviously, but it also feels like the movie is trying to be somewhat critical of what they're doing by the the way that he, they like they keep coming back to Christian Slater saying like we deserve this in a way that almost feels like it's like looking at you the isn't that why you saying, relate like, to them? Do you do you oh, actually yeah. deserve this? Yeah. Well, so. Who's worse, uh, Clarence or Drexel? Dude, obviously, no, no, no. you're going to answer that question. Right. It, it's Drexel. Yes. And so Clarence, Clarence kills Drexel. But you said it yourself. He winds up losing his eye. Right. Be- well, but there's, there's becoming... three big violent moments. Yeah. So we have Clarence versus Drexel. Uh-huh. Drexel's bad. He dies. Uh-huh. The second one is Christopher Walken versus Dennis Hopper. Uh-huh. Who wins? Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, the bad guy, the scumbag. Right. And then the second one is James Gandolfini versus Patricia Arquette. She wins. And she wins. And yes. it's this kind of uh-huh kind of thing. But we're forgetting that about leads the final shootout. The final shootout. Where it's a status quo break. Everybody dies. Right. Yeah. Where everybody dies and it's broken apart. Mm-hmm. And so my entire taking from this is that they, I don't think that Tony's They're in over their heads. I don't think that Tony Scott thinks that these are bad people. I think that he thinks that they are idiots uh, that got caught up in something really big and they they're not were gonna back barely out. Yeah. able to get out alive. No, it's not that they're not going to back out. They're not aware of how big this is. Sure. They're, they're just trying to sell some drugs. They're not aware that the mob is after them at any point or, in this movie. And especially not the police. They think the police, well, the police is totally... No, they think that they're totally in the clear. Yeah, for sure. They're going to... They, they're doing the drug deal on a roller coaster ride in a theme park. Yeah. Which was they a good idea. Don't, it's a very good idea. And it's shot amazing. Well. Yeah, it's It's like Top Gun, only roller coasters. <laughs> it's very good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't... Um, 
in my head, I thought the end of the movie was going to be them not getting what they wanted, and then they do. And that's a fine movie. That's a fine way to end that movie. Okay, you can so only end it one of two let's ways. Let's talk about this. Let's talk more about that ending, that alternate ending that you were talking about before. What happens in that? Because I'm not familiar with Yeah, I, I don't know as well. Tim? I don't really remember any either, other than I think Clarence dies. I mean, that's all it is. the same movie. Yeah, but then what happens? Nothing. Pro- really, I would they like to see. She drives so. off and like just goes. And I'd like to see. Starts a new life. Does her own thing. Yeah, and she's got the money. Yeah, like that's it. Hmm. I mean, it's not interesting at all. It's not. It's not interesting, not interesting at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. Listen, man. I, I'm not. But you know what to, is interesting? Uh, Vampires. Go on. Mm. Wait a minute. You heard of them? There's, oh, the there's the a segue. Vampires. Yeah. From Dust Till Dawn. Yes. A lot of stuff, as the story goes, some stuff that Quentin Tarantino, while writing True Romance, he kind of, the stuff that he cut, dialogue stuff, went into From Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> and that's what kind of puffed that piece out. As the story goes. Uh-huh. Don't want to be labeled down to that. Sure. But I heard that song. Don't quote him on it. Don't quote me. It's been a while since I've seen Dust Till Dawn, so yeah, I'll I don't have actually to, remember how to that ends. That's probably that. like if we're gonna talk about, and we'll because we have one more thing to talk about in this movie, real quick before we. Well, before I think we, we've close got out. a couple things, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> but I think one of the most interesting things is in these three movies, this kind of trilogy of movies that Quentin Tarantino only wrote but did not direct. Mm-hmm. And being true romance, the other one that, natural born killers, and okay, from dust so till those dawn. Those are the three. There's this really fucking neat idea of Tarantino kind of impressing an attitude on the page, and then a different director with a different attitude. If it's somebody as far removed from Tarantino's kind of like how he does shit as like Tony Scott or mm. Oliver Stone. You know, and or somebody that's kind of close knit and really good buds like Robert Rodriguez from Dust Till Dawn. Sure. I think one of the most interesting things that we can talk about in these three movies is how Tarantino's voice is in there. And it's always going to be in there. And no matter what the director does, like Oliver Stone is like a twisty little guy. Mm. And Robert Rodriguez is like a super attitude kind of dude. And Tony Scott is very visceral. He's very... He's very like you feel the like we were making fun of like the the sex gun, scene gun, in yeah. True Romance because like it looked like gun. the Top Gun scene. I was like, yeah, he invented that. He's allowed to use that in every movie he ever makes. And probably should should have stopped doing that a long time ago, or at least cutting it in half. Go ahead. Yeah, but I think the idea of looking at the different directors that are doing this because it's it's not like it's some random people made Tarantino's movies that he didn't that he wrote that he didn't direct. Mm. You got Tony Scott, Oliver Stone, Robert Rodriguez. People of note. These are big guys. Whether or not they were of note at the time, Tony sure. Scott, Oliver Stone were. Robert Rodriguez was just still getting out there. He had made Spy Kids yet. Physically, like, huge. Spy Kids dude, fucks. Really got him out Spy there. Kids Spy Kids fucks. fucks. Spy, the first Spy Kids. Spy Kids too. Oh. I can test it. It's two fucks. Yeah, it does. I I was taken <laughs> really by surprise by that one. Love it. Okay, we'll get back to that. We need a new item on the scale though if we're gonna talk about Spy Kids 3D. Because that's uh has <laughs> Spy days. Kids 3D, rather do Shark Boy versus Lava Girl. Just gonna be honest. Yeah. Dark Tower. And that's like, shade. I'm throwing 
heavy shade Ooh. right there. I get oh it. People on my. the net. I get it. I don't know um, who's going to be offended, but I hope they're really offended. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, this conversation is really fun because Tarantino, when he's directing his movies, he's in control. And so when we're talking about true romance and we're talking about the characters of Alabama and Clarence and them actually being good people or the typical kind of like scummy kind of uh, salt of the earth people that Tarantino is particularly putting in most of his movies around this era. It's important to look at like natural born killers and dust till dawn have way shittier people than Clarence and Alabama. Yeah. And almost every other movie that Tarantino has ever made, even if it's a love story, like probably the closest thing to this is me and Tim were talking about Jackie Brown. Like those are shitty people. Even like the best people in that movie, they're acting shitty. Yeah. Clarence and Alabama don't really do anything too shitty in this movie. They both murder people. Murder people that are bad people. But that is one of which, both of which are trying to kill them. True. Well, well, could you slowly start that? Clarence Clarence went in with the intention of killing. Listen, Clarence went in with a gun. Clarence. No, he didn't even have the gun. Yes, no, he, he went in. He, he was did. trying no, to have his gun. gun. He, he got he got here. the bodyguard's gun. No, it's no, his he gun. He got strapped to his leg. No. Dude, no, my guys, guys, there is gun. a literal line in he the movie the gun. where the guy comes back because he says, I don't have my gun. The bodyguard comes back and says, I don't have my gun. That's where he gets the gun. There is a scene before he puts it on his leg. I think you're mistaken, bud. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he had a gun, and I, knew, I didn't remember that. And I think it's his gun, and I was wondering where did Clarence get that gun? He well, I'm it. wrong then. Yeah, it's okay. Elvis, I, mean, I always thought Elvis it was like he went him. in there to try and like, dude, like fuck it no, over. He's like, here's the envelope. It's got nothing. Which in is it. another. There's he a lot of little Elvis. holes in this. It's like, how does Clarence not hear all the yelling and the screaming between the mob, the police, and these? producers or whatever while he's in the bathroom yeah there's like a bunch of well, holes Elvis we don't need to get to, to these elvis tells him to go kill but that's another one Drexel. why wasn't he yeah. patted down when he went into drexel's place okay these are not what we're getting to well please well they don't see about go on because we were on something the, no no, no you guys no. here's the thing i they're definitely in over their heads i i think they're still shitty but at the same time i think their love between each other is genuine and because they actually have genuine love for each other, that's why they get the happy ending in the end. Yeah, I buy that. Yes, hearts. And it's and it's and it's he. The reason he goes to kill Drexel in the first place is because he immediately feels protective of his new wife, right? And when he goes and kills him, which was and like then a he weird comes, tick out of him. Yeah, but they're kind of it's fucked not a tick. up. Probably. It's like a thing that's in a. He comes back, and she, her reaction is. <gasps> That's so romantic. Yeah. And that's like kind of a sweet moment. One of the sweetest in the movie. Yeah. 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 And then let's kind of when, you know, you you kind of learn where they where they're both at with everything and that's how, you know, the rest of the movie makes sense according to like how they react to things. Right. And I'm yeah. not trying to say that these people are like despicable and they deserve to die in the movie. I just me, think it's interesting the choices that they made with them yeah. as far as the ending. I did not expect a happy ending out of this movie. Neither did you they. guys don't you relate know? to them? No. Uh, not really. No. No, all good not. characters are relatable. That's fine. I mean, there's very few characters that I relate to. Do you, Mike? The, uh, abs- Clarence's character is like, like that. Yeah, that's besides the that's fact that me. he's a comic like, nerd. That's how I. 
would yeah. act in an so alternate Mike universe. Is, Mike is projecting here. That's uh, the problem. Don't say you guys are going to call these people shitty. Now you're calling me shitty. Yeah, I'm not calling you shitty, Mike. No, that's fine. Well, we're not calling you shitty. And right. for the audience, we did. are literally on the opposite you sides of the table. We are like, on yeah. opposite sides of the table, yeah. Uh, Isn't it nice when you don't say somebody's doing something, but they say that they're not doing it? Yep. So Christopher Walken in this movie. Pretty oh, good. That's it. Yeah. Pretty that's goddamn good. Oh, now you want to go I like that he never comes back. Nope. That he's just got like this. He comes on that in. We scene. didn't talk about the best scene in the movie. It's easily the best scene. This is the best scene in the movie. It's the best scene in the movie. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best scene in the movie. It's it's amazing. You're an eggplant. It's hard as you're a cantaloupe. Ah I love the fact that he uh, that stands up and he actually like he kisses him on the cheek. He's like, this fucking guy. He actually does like He's great. Like it's there's so many this is a layered scene. There's so much going on. And this is the big scene that's got a lot of those words that start with the letter N. Racial epitaphs. Yes. Uh that are 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 not being spoken by Scum, a scumbag. Actually, it's being spoken by an an upstanding, pretty pretty good person that we've seen. Here. Oh yeah, we love it. We love oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah, but you got to tread lightly. There's a microphone on. There's a microphone on. What about it? Go ahead. Well, okay. So I think what Mike yeah. is saying is that Dennis Hopper in the scene is using that specifically. I don't know if the intent there is really that he is. No, maybe, clear. maybe one hundred percent. I know exactly. I think, yeah. I think he is using that because he knows. That's gonna piss off the Sicilians. One hundred percent. Now at we the actually same time, talked about that while we we're watching. In, it's in like the same he did time, himself a favor and he made his death a little quicker exactly. than would have been. At the same time, he inherently must think that's a negative thing to be descendant from from black people. No, 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 no. I think he, he, just, he knows he that knew he they was dead way before that. It's a that. negative thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got no feeling on it. He's saying, Maybe. like, I agree with you. I think and that's no. a lot to surmise from No, that's no, no. I mean, he, hey, he listen, that is, thought. no. If you guys want to give him the benefit bullshit. of the doubt, by all means. Dennis Hopper for dropping. The scene is Dennis Hopper saying whatever he can to make these people upset, right? Yeah. So if he's going to say that they have that type of blood yes. in them. He knows that that's what's going to upset them. Otherwise, he never would have said that. There's no reason to say that other than that. He realized his life was over when he asked for the Chesterton. When he accepted it, he he knew it was over. Yeah. And then he really just was antagonized. He gets the check because he knows. Yeah. He's like, let me get a little. That's a good, good, like, I enjoy watching people smoke cigarettes in movies. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. He really, like, takes He said no thanks at first. Because he's also, like, holding his hand. That's like, because they've tortured him in two ways. He was comfortable. It's true. It's true. And I also like they fact, they preface that like he is a recovering alcoholic. Right. He doesn't even drink beer. And that in that last scene, he doesn't ask for a drink. He just wants a cigarette wants, yeah. because he's already got he's already actually, gotten the slit on the hand with the whiskey on it. He's like, I don't need any of this. Yeah. Just give this me a cigarette like a, and let me fuck with you guys. For the last, like, five minutes of my life. And Christopher Walken gets that immediately. He knows that's exactly what he's doing, and he just lets him go. Yeah. And he's got that great line at the end where he's like, I haven't killed a motherfucker since 1984. And he just, like, shoots him in the head, like, eight times. It's phenomenal. There's a lot of headshots in this movie. I didn't put this together until, maybe, until this time. 
I didn't equate that scene with the one where Alabama's getting basically tortured. And they're both stone cold, never going to give up a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. what you will yep. give up for your lover. For Clarence. For true romance. Because he's a good guy. And, and they are, are good people. Yeah. And they're not going to give them oh, up. Oh, thanks for driving that home. We're right on this side of the table. They you would never are, sell you guys out are their allowed friends. to feel the way you would like to feel. There's a Fuck. difference between being right and I being think stuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Why don't you go get in your pink catalog and get the fuck out of here? Why don't you go get your fucking shine it's box? Purple. <laughs> We're just going to, you know, we're on two sides of the table on this one, and that's just the way it's going to be. It's fine. Yeah, I'm okay All with right, it. All right, so, guys, true romance. Slaps. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slaps. Fucks. Tim thinks fucks. Respects. That's why he's I'm here like, today. I'm fucks. like in between slaps and fucks. So it, it's, edging. Slaps. it's edging on fucks. <laughs> We're not making this the official. Everybody <laughs> needs to go to sleep. Come on. We can get more into this. Robbie, edging is something wanted. completely edging. different. Oh, edging yeah. is above? That's the fifth level? No, no. That's that's the that's what helps Ed, you get to between fucks. Between three and four? Okay. It's between all of them. All right, guys. So thank you so much for listening. We have Tim, talked about wait, wait, wait. true romance. Tim, Tim, I know there's there's probably closing because you said there were multiple things you wanted to talk about. Anything else? Do you have any closing thoughts? I don't. <laughs> but as a matter of fact, I do. So I think this actually this quote. It, okay, one more thing. So yeah, we. I knew what's, Tim what's had the last. What's the last big it. the big guy? Alabama is set up as a narrator. Turns out she's not, but she does at the very beginning, in the very end, and it. I, you know, I'm on my phone here and this is not the full quote, but it has something to do with the context that she's asking Clarence. <sighs> I don't remember, even though I just watched the movie. Why is shit so fucked up? That's the way it goes. But don't forget, it goes the other way, too. That's the way romance is. Usually that's the way it goes. But every once in a while, it goes the other way, too. Thank you, Tim. Doesn't sound like a shitty person. Sounds like an idiot. Sounds like a good person to me. Sounds like a very good idiot? person. Oh, good people can be idiots. They usually are. Have you well, that me? makes four of us. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We have a bunch of other story screen podcasts. Uh, we got hot takes. We got overdrinkers. We got Cathode Breakcast. We got coming attractions coming right back on, baby. It's going to be absolutely you great. Mean- it's happening very soon. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Cooking with Quentin, we got a lot more coming up right now. We're really excited to dive into, I think, which is someone who is arguably one of our top 10 directors. Yeah. Kind of inarguably around the table. Like, he's a very good director. Very interesting at the, at the very least. Very least. Love him. So, go on over to Instagram. Find us at story underscore screen underscore beacon. Go to storyscreenbeacon.com. Got a bunch of reviews, bunch of articles, bunch of new writers, and uh, Robert, buy a fucking t-shirt. You can buy a fucking t-shirt, and we also got mugs. We got coffee mugs. When you wake up first thing in the morning, you're like, "Those mugs." I want to. I'll get you one. You just told me, but I I need to hear it again. Coffee mugs. Coffeemugs.com. Storyscreenbeacon.com. Oh, that's the one. Okay. Where you can get a coffee mug with the Story Screen logo on it. We got a screen printed on there. It's really good. You can drink coffee first thing in the morning. Give yourself a present. Every day. Christmas is coming up. Don't worry about it. Get your friends a story screen mug. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter. (laughs) On Twitter. Or Twitter. On Twitter. Twitter. Fuck it. I'm getting through this hardcore right now. Follow us on Twitter at story underscore screen. Thank you so much 
to Von Hall, Colin Chain, who makes all the music for us. Like, especially this oh, new sound that we got going yeah. on right now at the beginning of this series. Like, that's He's that's got some a special fun stuff. track for the Tarantones. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, rewind it. It's right at the beginning. It's gonna be really yeah. great. You can just rewind it back, and it's right at the beginning. You go to zero zero. Is it coming at the end? Colon zero zero colon zero zero. That's the beginning of the song. That's Thank you so much to Tim Kelly for being here. The real champ. MVP. Super champ. big champ. Very good guy. Is and that what they call us? We were talking on the break, and uh, I think we're going to get him back for another one on Tarantino yeah, coming make, up. We can make that happen. Hell yeah. Robert Anderson, thank you so much for joining thank me. Thank you for having me. Jack. Happy birthday, Happy birthday again. buddy. And just thank you, Mike. Thank yeah. you so much for being here. Thank you, Mike, thank for you hosting. For cooking a Seriously, wonderful man. Day for us. Uh, oh, please. It's yes, my pleasure. Thank you for the You food. are one of the top five loves of my life, I think. And also, let's be clear. These are good people. You don't have to remember somebody's birthday to be a good person. That's okay, true. we'll see you guys later. Next time, we're doing Pulp Fiction next. Woo! Pulp Fiction, right. it's the yeah. big one. Everybody knows about that. Jack it. Rabbit Slims. Royale with cheese. You make making... N-words. Motherfuckers. Definitely. Say a lot what, of motherfuckers. Say what again. Enter Samuel L. Jackson. He was in this movie. Deus ex Very Samuel L. Jackson. But I don't have to comment, but can I eat with you and watch the movie with you? Sure. Just sit in the corner? Yeah. Yeah, just, okay. you can't make a sound. Yeah, just okay. That's a deal. That's All a right, deal. peace. Bye. Bye. I have a problem modulating my voice. <laughs> I talk like this now. <laughs> I would only just say it with Jack, just because like you're so. Soft-spoken. Soft-spoken. Uh -huh. Maybe, like, lean in or anything like that. But I think this will pick you up really good. I just don't want to push the game too hard. I'm pretty close to it. Yeah. Here, I so. think you're going to be fine. Be all right. Cognitive. Cognitive? Cognitive. I think it's cognizant. Cognizant. I think it's cognitive. Cog it's cognition. That's not what I meant. Do you, you meant cognitive? Cognitive. That's mm. not what you meant, is it? I don't think so. What does cognitive mean, everybody? It's like an ability. It's a, It's more than a... State of mind. Being aware. If you're being, if it, like, it's, it's, I don't know. Being, <laughs> being cognitive. I know being that aware. I'm right. But so when they say, some, in movies, when they say someone's like cognitive of weird shit, it's like they're aware of weird shit. I think it's cognitive. Be cognitive. I always Cognizant. try. Cognizant. One. We're gonna sort this Cog out. Later. I think it's yeah. cognitious. <laughs> we'll I think it's it cognitious. We'll check Cog it. Cog By the end of this Cog podcast, we're gonna figure out what it is. <laughs> That's what the whole episode's about.